And once in a program, I remember one, one, one particular class, I asked this question, and one person said, when I inhale, the stomach goes in. And I said, what happens when you exhale? It goes in. <laughs> I was trying to imagine, what is his lifestyle? <laughs> How stressed he must be. So anyway, that's, we'll come to it later. So yesterday we did the breathing. Today I want to do a little bit of, how many of you have brought some writing tools, some journal, paper, phone, something to write? Okay, how many of you don't have a facility to write? All of you can write. Okay, thank you. So before we discuss this topic of reality, I was thinking if you could do one short three-minute exercise. Just three minutes. Are you ready? So what we have to do, I, I think, see there are different types of journaling. I'm going to share with you a very basic technique now, basic journaling exercise, uh, method now. For three minutes, when I say start, you will start writing. And write what? Write any damn thing. Just write. <laughs> but you'll say, but Prabhu, I, I, I'll go blank. I'm blank. I don't know what to write. Because this will also happen to many of you. I just start writing after a, after I think two sentences, you'll go blank. So what will you do then? You will continue writing. But you'll say, Prabhu, but I, I don't know what to write. Then write that. I don't know what to write. <laughs> why, why has Prabhu given such a stupid exercise? I don't know, but keep writing. I'll explain the philosophy and the logic and the and the effect it has on the brain later. But can you do it? Are you game? Can you do this? Just as a, just be open-minded and do it, okay? The time starts now. Start. Hare Krishna.
reality which is beyond what you are perceiving right now. So therefore, Ramayana, what Ramayana does is, it helps us go beyond this physical reality. It helps us access a reality beyond our day-to-day -day life, which is all temporary ultimately. So, Ramayana, Bhagavatam, all the wisdom books, they help us access this. And you know, because I am saying this, some of you may think, okay, you are a Hare Krishna, you know, you may have an agenda to promote Ramayana. <laughs> but I will tell you, somebody who is not at all into Hare Krishna, the greatest management guru of the 21st, 21st, uh, 20th century, the greatest management guru of the 20th century has been declared by many, many people, Time, Magazine, BBC, many of them have accepted Stephen Covey as one of, as the best management guru. I had written a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People in, the, in 1988 and that is like, that's, that's the biggest bestseller. So Stephen Covey in his book, and he's not a Hare Krishna devotee, yeah, mind you. He's from Utah, a remote place in US. Nobody goes there. <laughs> and he is, and he studied at Harvard. And he wrote this book, Seven Habits, and he says, and he talks a lot about conscience, connecting to the inner true compass, true north. And he says to develop our conscience, which will help us navigate through life's complexities with great effectiveness. That's the main theme of his book. He says, for that to happen, you need connection to scriptures. I was like, when I read that, I was shocked. So I said, he's saying scriptures, maybe he means by, I wanted to know what he means by scriptures, you know. Because the word can mean different things to different people. Like the word pizza, you know, all of you have a different idea than what many of us in India have. In India, pizza means, you know, mutter, paneer, and it's like, it's like a sophisticated roti only. <laughs> so pizza can mean different things. So similarly, scripture, I didn't know what Stephen Covey means by scriptures. So I went to the appendix of the book, and he clarifies in the appendix, he gives names of Ramayana, Mahabharat, Bhagavad Gita in the list of books that are in the category of scriptures. So you understand what I'm saying? It's like it's not simply a sentimental religious thing. There is science behind it because it it because it's higher. It's connecting us to a higher reality, something which doesn't die. That's why Ramayana has been in the human society for you won't believe it. Some of you, eight hundred eighty thousand years. Mahabharata is just what, 5,000 years old. And Mahabharata contains many references of Ramayana. Bhagavatam contains references of Ramayana. So, it, Ramayana will help you adjust yourself to the truth, the reality. Because it will talk about Dharma, it will talk about high values and high principles which Lord Ram established, which Lakshman follows. So, when we hear all of that, we get aligned slowly. And therefore, even if you know the Ramayana, we need to hear it again and again because it slowly channelizes our consciousness. I hope this is logically making sense to you. I went to Sri Lanka for a yatra. You know what is Sri Lanka famous for? Ra cricket, yeah. <laughs> Ra Ravana is from Lanka. So I went to Sri Lanka and we went for a, you know, all the places that Lord Ram and Hanuman, they all performed pastimes. <clears throat> and also many places, Ravana Hotel, Ravana Bar. So Ravana is quite popular there. <laughs> and uh, the whole Yatra I spoke on the Yuddha Kand, you know, the, the last section of Ramayana where there is a fierce fight. So, and I was describing one by one all the warriors getting killed. 
but I I didn't kill Ravana there. <laughs> I said you know Ravana is very popular here, so we went up to Indrajit and then said I said we kill Ravana in Mumbai. <laughs> so Ravana is very popular there, and and I was giving pure Ramayana class, and all everybody in the audience already knew Ramayana, but I said I don't care, you know I want to speak for my nourishment. So I went into the details of the, you know how Anuman fought against Ravan or what you know Ram Ram did with all those details. And, uh, and and in the evening I was also sorry morning I was also giving uh, seminars like you know that I gave that day eight sutras for mind uh, all that you know journaling work so many things I did in the morning and evening was pure Ramayana at the end of the uh, one week yatra everyone came and said the morning sessions were very intellectually stimulating but we really found the evening Ram Ram Katha most satisfying because Ramayana I was wondering you know they already know the Ramayana why they because New things, answers to questions, all of that is, takes care of the head. But our conscience, our heart needs to be evolving. And for that, Ramayana is the best. Because Ramayana helps us to connect to that. Un there is something which is unchanging as the world is changing around us. So therefore, we ask you to connect with Ramayana. Okay? So now, we'll continue with the past time. See how everybody is perceiving reality differently. Bharat's reality is also dovetailed to the dharmic reality, what Lord Ram is perceiving. And for that, there was a very special test done by his guru, Vashishta. What was that test? The sleep test. What is the sleep test? Who would like to answer? Anyone know? What is the sleep test? Yes. Thank you. Yes. So he passed that sleep test. And then immediately he said, Ram is the king. Let us, let us all go to the forest and bring Ram back. He declared that. And as soon as Bharat said this, everyone roared in approval. Because they all wanted Ram to be back, but they also were polite with Bharat. And everyone is enlivened at the prospect of getting Ram back to Ayodhya. And immediately Sumatra, the minister, he ordered constructing of good roads and you know making all arrangements. And everyone went to Chitrakoot to convince Ram to come back and accept the throne. And on the way, they met Guha. Guha was a tribal king, who was a very close friend of Ram. So when Ram went there with Sita and Lakshmana, they were leaving Ayodhya, and they went entered the outskirts of Ayodhya in the tribal area. Guha, he made arrangements for Ram and Sita to take rest at night. And when they took rest in the small hut, Lakshman was guarding it outside with his I was saying gun, not gun, bow and arrow. <laughs> he was ready. And then Goa was wondering why is Lakshman standing there? Goa was also very protective of Ram. So Goa got suspicious of Lakshman. And Lakshman was circumambulating the hut. He was going around to keep guard. So Goa thought, what is Lakshman doing? Why is Lakshman doing like that? So Goa took his bow and arrow and he made a circle around Lakshman. And he was going around, you know. To see Lakshman, <laughs> Lakshman is going to harm Ram and Sita. And when Guha was walking and doing Parikrama like that, first, first circle is Lakshman, then Guha. And Guha's soldiers, 
they were also attached to Lord Ram. And they have they started thinking, why is our king? Is he going to harm Lord Ram? So they also had a sense of protection. They also started circumambulating. <laughs> and they were also ready with their bows and arrows. So the Ramayana describes so beautifully how everybody is attached to Lord Ram. So like this. So that when Bharat and his team came to Chitrakoot, so first they had to encounter Gua. And when he saw Bharat, he said, you have come to harm my Lord Ram. I will not let you go through this. You, know, you have to first confront me. And Bharat said, I have come to take back Ram. And Gua, of course, immediately got convinced. And then he embraced Bharat. And then Bharat, he, and Gua described to Bharat that Lord Ram and Lakshman, when they were leaving, they took the sap of the banyan tree, which is, you know, it's like uh, very thick. It's, it's liquid, but it's very thick. And then Lord Ram took that sap and tied his, matted his hair. So Bharat also did that to follow Ram's footsteps. And then um, they entered Chitrakut and they met Bharatwaj Rishi, a great Rishi, who also said, looked at Bharat suspiciously, and then he was convinced. And when introducing all his mothers to Bharatwaj Rishi, when he was introducing his own mother, Kaike, he didn't say, she is my mother. Very disdainfully, he said, she is the cause of Ram's banishment to the forest. That's how he introduced her. So Bharatwaj Rishi was very angry. He said, Bharat, she is your mother. And she has realized her mistake. She is repenting. And then Bharat apologized to her. And then they moved on like that. So, so they came to uh, Ram's hermitage. Now there is a big army coming. So the dust. Now look at see how Lakshman perceives reality now. Why they are all coming? To take Ram back. So as they were coming a lot of dust was blowing in the air. So Ram turned to Lakshman and said of dust here. Why don't you climb the tree and see what is happening? So Lakshman climbed the tree and what did he see? He saw a huge army coming and he said, Ram, immediately take Sita to the cave. There is, a, there is an army coming and I am going to confront this army. So Ram said, which army? See what is the sign on the flag? So he saw carefully, that was the Kovidara tree's uh, sign which is the sign of Dasharat Maharaj. So immediately Lakshman roared, Bharat has come to kill you. He is not satisfied with the kingdom. <laughs> he wants to ensure that you don't come back. So now I am going to finish him off. Now is the time for me to pay my debts to my weapons. They have served me. So today I am going to kill Bharat, Shatrugna and everyone. <laughs> so when Ram hears this, he becomes very sad. He turns to Lakshman and says, Lakshman, these sentiments do not befit you. Bharat is coming only because he is overwhelmed with love and affection for me. And he, I cannot imagine him harming me in any way. Why are you so angry? Has he offended you? And then Ram's voice became thunderous. He roared at Lakshman. He said, if you are set upon his slaughter, if you want to slaughter Bharat, then I shall order Bharat to stay with me and you can go and stay in Ayodhya. When Ram said this, Lakshman immediately realized what, what he said was wrong and he fell at Lord Ram's feet and apologized. Then Bharat, Shatrugna and everyone come. See, I'm just going fast forward. Huh? The lot of, you, you must know that there's a lot of very juicy details. Many things are there, but we are talking about reality now, perceiving reality for this topic. I'm just going forward. So then they meet uh, Bharat, uh, Ram, Sita, Lakshman and they have a beautiful reunion. Everybody, and when Ram hears about his father's demise, he's crying. 
and then finally Bharat turns to Ram and says, Ram, my mother took this boon from our father and our father gave the boon. So my mother has given me the kingdom and I have accepted the kingdom of Ayodhya. And now this kingdom is mine. Now the boon is fulfilled. Now that I have accepted the kingdom, Maharaj Dasharath's vow is also fulfilled. Now all conditions are fulfilled. So now I hand over the kingdom to you. Now you... Hare Krishna. Now you... <laughs> now you accept the kingdom and come back to Ayodhya. What a beautiful logical way he presented. What do you think Ram... How do you think Ram must have responded to this? Because it was logically very correct. You know what Ram did? He kept looking affectionately at Bharat. <laughs> because he was just so touched to see his sacrifice, his mood of service. So then Bharat saw that Ram did not say anything. So then Bharat said something profound. He said, my dear brother, the power to rule the earth lies only in your hands. I cannot rule the kingdom of Ayodhya just like a donkey cannot replace a horse or a crow cannot replace Garuda. And when Bharat started speaking, everyone was shouting, well said, well said Bharat. Then, it's amazing, Ram, he presented another dimension of reality, a very powerful uh, dimension of reality called the time. I mean, when I read those verses, it took me one hour to read only those verses. So, I'm imagining that Lord Ram gave a one-hour class only on the power of time. And he explained how time destroys everyone and everything. The only truth that remains is our adherence to universal principles, dharma. So, don't compromise on principles. So, I should follow this. Don't try to, you know, don't... See, sometimes, I don't know if you've seen this, even when we are answering questions while preaching, we give clever answers. You know, we, we like... We like to uh, be smart and we are expedient many times in our day-to-day -day dealings. But there is something called as truth, dharma, which is stable, which is more than simply cutting corners, which is being grounded on the truth. So Ram gave a discourse on how time destroys everything except the truth. So then um, after this whole one-hour discourse, which again is uh, another subject in itself, after hearing all of that, so when Ram was speaking, there was pin drop silence. Everybody was absorbed in that class. In fact, it is described even the animals were quiet. The only sound that was heard was the rustling of the leaves. And it was And after Lord Ram finished, everyone was stunned. But Bharat's perception of reality was different. Also, it is of course same only. He was also fixed on dharma. But he presented, he said, you're not going to give up easily. He said, my dear brother Ram, our mother Kaikeyi, she has acted wrongly. Now, isn't it the duty of a son to rectify his mother's mistake if she has made a mistake? And my mother is accepting her mistake. Are you not? And she was there and she is accepting her mistake. So now what? So brother is saying, this is proper dharma. We have accepted our mistake. Now, the kingdom needs your protection. Come back. Again, Ram refused. He said, our father has lived by dharma, he was pious and he promised to our mother, so to uphold his promise, I should stay in the forest. And as these discussions are going on, everybody realized Ram is not going to come back. 
and Ram was repeatedly quoting scriptures, the Vedas. So then one very powerful Brahmana who knows the scriptures very well, his name is Jabali. You know what he said? He said, Ram, why are you quoting scriptures? Scriptures are all nonsense. They are written by people like us who simply want to earn a good livelihood. Just enjoy life. This is one life you have. And don't quote scriptures. And he started explaining how life is only for enjoyment. He started speaking complete hedonistic philosophy. If somebody enters Ramayana here <laughs> and only, only reads this much, <laughs> he will be convinced to become an atheist. So I and he was speaking and Lord Ram suddenly, at one point of time, Ram stopped him. He said, Lord Ram shouted at him. And he said, see, if, that's what I'm saying, you know, the reality of how it can be perceived. So Lord Ram said, stop, you atheistic one. The way you are speaking, if somebody hears it, they'll all become atheists and this world will be destroyed. Actions performed because of lust and greed in violation of scriptures only bring about ruination of human society. Don't destroy the world. He spoke like that. And Jabali, when he heard Ram, he started crying. He's, he fell at Ram's feet and said, please come back to Ayodhya. And then Vashishtha Rishi said, see, he is a good devotee. He believes in scriptures. But he said all of this just to convince you somehow to come back to Ayodhya. And then finally Vashishtha said, I am your guru. I am your father's guru also. And guru's order is more important than mother, father, everyone. And I am ordering you come back to Ayodhya. <laughs> and then there's a beautiful section where Lord Ram says, he bowed his head and he said, my father loved me so much. And he, and he made a vow that whatever boons he give, that should be fulfilled. So as a small service in return for all the love that my father has given me, I want to stay in the forest. So then Bharat picked up a blade of grass and he sat there and he said, I'm not going to leave this place unless Ram comes with me back. And then Ram just kept standing. And then Ram picked up Bharat and Bharat looked at everyone and said, why don't you all tell Lord Ram to come, you know. You know, why don't you all convince him? He shouted at all the citizens of Ayodhya. And they said, Bharat, when you can't convince him, how can we? So, so then Ram said, finally seeing Bharat's determination, Ram said, yes Bharat, I will accept the kingdom. Thank you. But after 14 years. <laughs> and till 14 years, you rule properly on my behalf. And then Bharat said, if you are one day late, I will end my life. And then Bharat had these beautiful wooden uh, shoes, sandals. He kept them. Lord Ram is called Khadao in India. Lord Ram stepped on them. He took those sandals, he put them on his head. And he also circumambulated Lord Ram and the Khadao and he took it to Ayodhya. Put them on the throne. And he did the administration of Ayodhya. He took complete responsibility without taking the position. Many of us like position, but we don't want responsibility. In Kaliuga, politicians take the position, but they don't have, they don't fulfill their responsibility. So these were uh, ornate wooden sandals, and he worshipped. And Bharat stayed at Nandigram, away from Ayodhya, and he dug a hole in the ground. He said, Lord Ram is sleeping on the floor, earth. I am his servant, I should be lower. So he dug a hole in the ground and he was sleeping on that. And Lord Ram was eating uh, fruits and roots in the forest and he had variety of fruits. 
So Bharat said, I can't eat what he is eating. I should eat something lower. So every day he would eat only barley soaked in cow urine, which is like very austere. And like that, a lot of austerities he performed. And um, you know, at least Kaushalya was happy that her son is eating something in the forest. But Kaike was seeing Bharat perform such severe austerities. He would go to take bath at Sarayu River in the morning at 1.32. And was, I see Ramayan describes that the waters were so cold during winter that elephants would enter for bath in the morning at 10, 11 and that cold would hit them. That It would be so cold that the elephants would come out. And Bharat would enter at 1.32 in the morning because he didn't want to go later in the day because the other residents of Ayodhya would come to Sarayu and he didn't want them to see his own inauspicious face. He said, I am responsible for Ram not being here. So I don't want them to see me first thing in the morning. So like that, his mood was only of service. So he managed the whole kingdom, but did not accept any facility. So that's why Bharat is considered as one of the most exemplary characters. And Kaiki also wanted to perform austerity. Look at this. Kaiki said, I am responsible. So I will also stay with you, Bharat, in this heart. I will I'll perform all the same austerities. And guess what Bharat did? He forbid her. He said, no. Your atonement would be to live in the palace and take all service from the other queens and maid servants so that you are reminded every day of what you have done. And that is your punishment. <laughs> that is your way of atonement. When I read it, I was amazed. I, I never thought like that, you know. So then KK accepts it. So for the next 14 years, every moment of living in that palace was tapasya for her. Well, generally, you know, sometimes we are very responsible. In the name of responsibility, we become attached. Right? Many of us. And sometimes we say, oh, I'll be detached. I'll be renounced. But in the name of renouncement, renouncing or detachment, we become irresponsible. I don't know if you have experienced this. So I have nothing to do with this, so I'm irresponsible. Then we don't take responsibility. If we take responsibility, then it has to be my way. So to be, to be taking full responsibility and also being detached is an amazing quality. And this is the truth that Bhagavad Gita wants to teach us. And Bharat is the best example of this. And I remember once in 2011, 2001, January, we went to Yatra. And an old Babaji was sitting, you know, this Babaji, they don't know English. They're very poor and very simple old Babajis. And I was, after we gave a, we gave a one hour class on Ramayana in, in his sweet Hindi. And while leaving, I told one of the brahmacharis in English, I think we should give a small donation here. And immediately this Babaji, in English, he replied, I don't need any donation. We just, we just follow the principles of Ramayana. And he spoke in such perfect English. We were all shocked. Because in that village, nobody you know, speaks English there. And I'm like, who are you? And then he introduced himself. He was the cabinet secretary. He was in a top government post. Like, that's the most prestigious job in India. Indian administrative services, which is like, like you are the civil services, is like the top, he was in the prime minister's office. <laughs> Very, and he spent almost 30 years in service, then he got all his daughters and sons married, retired life, and last 30 years he's been staying there in Chitrakoot, just remembering Bharat and singing Bharat's glories. And he kept crying as he was speaking on Bharat's glories. You know, these are the kind of people we have in India. And Srila Prabhupada, that's why if you see Srila Prabhupada established, he wanted Sita Ramakrishna Hanuman details, and especially, you know, like in Washington he wanted. Because he said, Washington is the capital of America and America was ruling the world. And he said, the rulers and leaders must follow ideal integrity, the ideal standards. He wanted 
Itar Anga, Lakshman Hanuman in England also, in London also. And we have now in Manor. He said because London is the center of Europe at that time. <laughs> now also, I guess. Sorry. And then Srila Prabhupada wanted Sita Ramakrishna Hanuman in New Delhi, which is the capital of India. And we have deities there. And he also said we should have Sita Ramakrishna Hanuman in Juhu, Bombay, because he said Bombay is the financial capital of India. So basically, capital or leaders, wherever leadership exists, Srila Prabhupada wanted them to follow the principles of Ramayana. So that's how Srila Prabhupada uh, uh, wanted us to practice the Ramayana principles. So, so basically what happens when we hear these stories that some of our conscience, I, I said in the beginning, our conscience gets aligned to this higher, the reality, the truth, you know. Actually, you know what is happening till, till, till this 21st century, all schools of philosophy and religions, they would be, their whole preaching or presentations would be to help people move from physical reality to metaphysical reality. To make people understand that it is all temporary and there is something which is permanent. That was the whole preaching. But only in 21st century we have another additional challenge of convincing people to move from virtual reality to physical reality. That's a unique phenomenon of modern times actually. I've seen many times, you know, till, till 2007, 8, 9 I was giving classes. It was easy to tell people that eating, sleeping, mating, defending is animal life. You know, we should have, we should progress to spiritual life, all of that, you know, people were, people were receptive. Now I tell people, it's okay to have eating, sleeping, mating, defending, but do it properly, like humans, <laughs> you know, because now people are getting so degraded, it's like, they're just so desensitized. So virtual, we, have, we need to move from virtual reality to a stable physical reality, and then understand these higher truths. And the key is slow down. I, see, I, I give just one example of how I... See, I've I got a lot of faults and a lot of problems. I don't want to share all of that. But in the last 25 years of being in Krishna consciousness, there are a few moments when I could connect to this. So I'll just share one, one example of mine so that you are also inspired in the next few days of, of this PS trip to connect and experience this metaphysical reality. Okay, what is the first reality? Let us... Let us uh, Summarize first is virtual reality, which is actually non-reality, like a mirage. What is the second? Physical reality. What is the physical reality? Real but temporary. And what is the third? Metaphysical or spiritual reality, which is something which doesn't die, something which always remains. So the goal of ISKCON, the goal of KCSOP, the goal of all devotees, preachers, is to help us live at least for some time in a day, in that space of eternal reality. And one experience I had was, you know, one, I have been always fond of nature. I would go to uh, mountains, rivers, not that we have many in India, out of Mumbai, is very big struggle. And um, <clears throat> so there is a garden. In near our temple, and there's a giant banyan tree which is supposed to be 400 years old. So I would go there and feel very peaceful. I don't know how many, how many of you have ever felt peaceful going to a forest or a mountain or an ocean side. Have you ever wondered why you feel peaceful? I got that realization one day when I was sitting under that banyan tree, and that changed my life. 
you know, I was sitting under the tree and I wouldn't do anything, I just sit there and sometimes I would occasionally chant, just be in that space. And suddenly I realized something, why for so many years I would sit on the bank of an ocean and look at the ocean waves or the mountains or this banyan tree because at that point of time I realized this is knowing beyond knowing. In a sense, it is not knowing intellectually. You know, there is a, there is a sense of knowing which is not intellectual, which is, I don't know how to describe it, it is knowing. <laughs> so at that point of time, I knew that there is something common. I realized that I'm friends with this banyan tree. In a sense, I realized that this banyan tree is very old, 400 years old. And there is something within me which is also old, very old. It has been there for 400 years old or more. And I felt that got connected with that banyan tree. And, and because I was in that space of self, I felt, I can't describe what I felt. It was like I become one, one with the universe. And it was like, and then I realized. See, if you, feel, if you feel peaceful when you go to an ocean side or a forest or in nature, please know that's because there is something within you, something inside you, which is also as ancient as that ocean, as that forest. And, and they are meeting. <laughs> and when they are meeting, old friends are meeting, and you are fine, you are kind of like, yesterday when I was seeing uh, Nanduko Prabhu having, getting that amazing hug from Navin Krishna Prabhu. <laughs> You know, it, oh, and you are like in ecstasy. That's kind of ecstasy you feel when you when you become one with nature, you know, when you become one with the universe, the cosmos, and you become one with Krishna in that space. So the key to all of this is slow down. You need to slow down your life. And today uh, we are discovering how to slow down and connect to Krishna through journaling. Tomorrow we'll also discuss about chanting. There are many ways of experiencing this state of self. Can I speak very vague and abstract today? Could you understand? I'm sorry, it was a little technical. But see, Mark Twain, I think he's the one who said that two, two days are the most important days in your life. The day you are born and the day you know why, why you were born. So spiritual life is all about two words, connect and contribute. We need to connect to ourselves and then leave a legacy. Ramayana is full of that. You know, everybody is connected to Lord Ram and everybody wants to give. Everybody wants to serve. Hmm? Unfortunately, we are living at times when we are constantly stimulated. I was telling Nani Krishna Prabhu yesterday when we were having this session in the afternoon. Now all of you were discussing about dopamine and I was seeing that video also and then I, I remembered one experiment which was done in Stanford over a 40 year period. It's called the Marshmallow Experiment. How many of you know about this? Uh, a few of you already know so amazing. They, they, I think, kept, they, they told the children, the very small children, that, you know, if you, we'll give you one marshmallow, if you eat it now, you eat it. But then if you wait for a few minutes, I think 10 minutes or something, you'll get two. So then, many children didn't have the patience to wait. They just wanted it. They just ate it. So, and the, some children waited. And then they tracked these children, their life, their career, over the next 40 years. And they found out that the children who, who restrained, who followed, sense control, so to say. They had more stable life, they were more peaceful. In 2014, there was another interesting experiment done in Harvard. An amazing experiment. And there was one machine kept, and 
the participants of the experiment were told to put their finger and touch that machine and they would get a mild electric shock and then they were asked would you want to do it again no what if he gave you money no even if he gives us money we don't want to put our hand in that machine because it, it gives us a shock a mild electric shock and then all the participants are made to sit in a room facing nature just look at the nature just just be yourself just relax don't do anything just sit and by the way there's also that machine kept everywhere that same machine which you had given you a mild electric shock that was the same information given to them and what are the tasks given sit and do nothing after a few seconds you know what 91% of those 200 people they all touched that machine and got a mild electric shock at least once and one person Touched it one ninety times or something like that, because that stimulation, that shock was pref more uh, preferable to the silence. We have become so much. We don't want to get bored. We don't. We want to always be stimulated. Our conscience won't evolve. We won't. We won't understand higher spiritual metaphysical truth. We won't understand spiritual reality for constantly seeking uh, agitation. but for all of that we need to become first aware first slow down so now i am going to do a very interesting journaling exercise now all of you know what is free writing right so now there is one exercise i am going to do please listen to the rules very carefully first i tell you what is the benefit of this you are going to practice what is called as now writing n o w now if you do this kind of journaling the benefit for that you are excited to hear the rules of this journaling so the what what will happen at the end of this is you will realize that you and your mind are two different entities just like under that banyan tree i felt i belong to something bigger than myself you will realize you are different from your mind okay so now what is now writing first criteria is you you won't stop just like earlier you won't stop your pen you keep writing that's clear to everyone second rule as you are writing just write what's happening now in your mind i'll give an example if i am writing the journal i would say how write something like this i'm feeling very thirsty because my my mind is saying no? i'm feeling thirsty but see you don't have to get up and do anything except write you can say my mind is saying drink water not my mind is saying get up and go to the washroom or my mind says you know this class is getting boring or my mind is saying when is the next service when is lunch or what is there for lunch whatever the mind is saying just note it down without judging without acting my mind says check the whatsapp message don't check the message just note down observe just like a video camera observes how would a video camera observe this room and just neutral right can you understand can you follow what i'm saying do you follow what i'm saying and you will realize something as you are writing you will write one sentence and suddenly at one point of time you realize as you finish the sentence as as you are writing a sentence you will forget 
what you were writing because your mind would have gone to 200 other subjects in that one in that few seconds the mind would have said so many things and it will be difficult for you to remember also what to write so this is called now writing so at the end of 3 minutes what will happen is you will see your mind has proposed so many things to you and it's like you know it's like as if your mind is sitting next to you and telling you all these things is it clear can you do this simply observe without judging that's the exercise ideally the best way to do this exercise is on a paper and pen but it's okay even if you have a smartphone so we'll start now 1 2 3 hare krishna If you feel stuck, you can write about the sounds you hear, or the sights you see, or the smells, or the fragrance. Any of the senses, perception, you can write them down. What you see, what you hear, what you smell. what you feel in your skin or if let's say your knees uh, there is some itch in your back write about that just write observe remember there's a video camera observing what's in your head stop please keep writing to scribble something just 30 seconds more i'll end your audio
this is a beginning but then what we see uh, spiritually is not about myself generally is not about you know my my story is what's happening in my head the ultimate goal is to rise beyond ourselves but to be begin with ourselves we begin by first seeing what's happening in the head and then we access i think krishna saka prabhu is doing gratitude appreciation workshop so he will he will teach you there are different levels of appreciation how to rise beyond ourselves generally we we are stuck even when we appreciate others we appreciate them for what they do to us right but there is more to appreciation there is more to reality than myself that's the whole idea of uh, that's the only way we can perceive the reality when we rise beyond us otherwise we are stuck with our own lives our own head so ramayan the exercise that we did today and also the ramayan that we are reading is to help us understand reality beyond ourselves you know there is this 10 rupee coin in india i think there are one one pound coin in england so small but if you keep that coin too close to your eyes on a bright afternoon sunny afternoon keep it close to your eyes it can block the vision of the sun have you noticed I, I, keep a coin close to your eyes it can block the vision of the sun and how big is the sun compared to the coin but still this coin has the potential to block our vision of the sun what it's quadrillion times bigger than that coin similarly our issues our problems in life they are like tiny like a coin but we keep them so close to our consciousness we are always thinking about my problems my worries and so close that the bigger reality the 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 universal reality the the metaphysical reality the spiritual reality doesn't make sense to us we, are, we just we just can't see it it's there but we can't perceive it and that's why we are stuck up you know we we, we can't appreciate krishna consciousness we can't appreciate beauty we can't appreciate divinity around us i'll end with this story and then maybe we can have few minutes of question just something funny i saw in the ashram recently i was going for mangalarti rushing and i came early for mangalarti around 3:30 3:45 i came and i saw a young brahmachari putting tilak in the ashram and he was blissfully singing hare krishna he had such a beaming smile you know he was saying hare krishna you know like i'm looking i kept looking at him wow then i went into the space of appreciation and i said who in this entire city of mumbai at this time 345 would be blissfully singing hare krishna and i said oh wow, this person loves krishna then i was like in that space of appreciation and wow oh, it's such a beautiful experience and another devotee my colleague you know someone was joined with me you know what happened as you get older small and simple things don't impress us anymore <laughs> we think we become smart we become cynical and the simple things of life don't appreciate us so this friend of mine he looked at me and said what happened why are you smiling so much i said look at him look at him he is blissful he is enjoying krishna consciousness he is absorbed in krishna and you know <laughs> what my friend he gave he just uh, very sarcastically very eager smile remark he just looked at me I know him very well. He is not blissfully remembering Krishna. You know what is his problem? You know why he is singing Hare Krishna? I said because he loves Krishna and he is blissful. He is excited to come for Mangalarti. None of it. So what is the what is the reason? He said, see, this guy has been suffering from severe constipation for the last one week. <laughs> and last and last night he took a very big laxative and he cleared all his bowels. 
and he's feeling relieved. And because he's feeling relieved, he's singing. I said, now I had a choice to choose a reality. What is the reality here? Both are realities. Maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe he was conspicuous. But see, what I'm saying is, you have a choice of reality. So I said, no, Prabhu, I prefer to choose this reality, which is he's chanting Hare Krishna. See, the, you will always find this choice. One, one last example, one more example, which is coming to our mind now. We went to Mayapur, just like coming from London to New Mayapur to Kaspel Wars. Going from Mumbai, my temple to Mayapur also took me 12 hours because we went to the airport, took a flight, very comfortable AC coach, bus, and then we went to, from Kolkata. And, but it was, it was tiring and we were irritated and hungry. And there was a group of devotees who traveled by train 36 hours before us so that they could reach the same time we, we were there. But they got late because their trains got stuck and a lot of problems. They had the water in the train stopped and they had a lot of difficulties. And when I came, I was calling them on the phone and I knew that they are going through a lot of inconveniences. But when they all came to my food, they were blissful. And I said, how come you are so happy? He said, Prabhu, we had such long kirtans and we bonded so well and they were talking only positive things. And I said, what is the reality now? They were suffering, they were inconvenienced or they are experiencing Krishna. So, it depends on you, what reality are you willing to see? You know, so that is this virtual, physical and metaphysical. The more we go beyond ourselves, the more we can connect to the Lord, Lord's space, Krishna's space, Ram's space. Hare Krishna, I stop here, I, I went beyond time. We have few minutes, five, five minutes for question answers. Hare Krishna. Any, any comments or questions? Yes, Prabhu. Um, Prabhu, you mentioned, um, you know, this point about taking responsibility. So if somebody takes responsibility, then it must be my way. And uh, you were, uh, that was in the context of um, uh, Parat, I think. But I didn't quite catch. Uh, I think that, was, that, that I, I, I think I put my foot in the mouth. I, I didn't mean to say my way. What I meant was, when I take responsibility, I get attached. It's like, okay. I, 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 I don't want to lose it. That, in that context, I was saying. So I don't want to lose it. You know, it's mine. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes you, have, you, you need to have it your way. <laughs> Otherwise, things don't happen. Hare Krishna Prabhu, thank you for the wonderful. Oh, yes, Prabhu. Hare Krishna Prabhu, thank you for the wonderful class. I just wanted to ask, you were saying about perceptions of reality, but taking into account that everyone may see a different reality, in the same situation, which is like what happened with Ram and Lakshman, how do you perceive which is the correct reality? You mean to say in the past time? In, in, the, in the past time or in any situation in life, Prabhu? You can give one example and explain, possibly. I gave a few examples from Ashram, right? They were travelling for Yatra. The Brahmachari was happy chanting Hare Krishna. So it's... It, See, it depends what you want. If you want to connect to Krishna, if you want to connect to God, then you need to connect to the eternal reality, something that's not changing, something that is based on principles. But if you are simply looking at your own needs, your own desires, then you choose a lower reality. You see others in terms of your own insecurities. 
So it all boils down to what you want. See, Ramayana, don't see this Ramayana story is uh, Lakshman and this, this is pastime. This is for nourishment. Don't get into analysis of that. That's like you just simply hear it and it nourishes you and it dovetails your consciousness. How many of you know that in the year 2008, there was a very massive terrorist attack in Mumbai? Anybody is aware? So, yeah, thank you. Some of you know. So, that was the 26th of November. It's a very, very infamous day. And this terrorist attacked some of the top hotels in Mumbai. And there were these National Security Guard commandos who entered and who neutralized the terrorists and they saved the they saved a lot of people. So I had the good fortune of meeting one NSD commando and talking to him. And he said something very interesting which convinced me of why we should read Ramayana. <laughs> and how it may not have solutions for your problem of you know your office, your job, your home, and what to do in terms of your day-to-day -day problems and choosing realities, but it still has a solution to everyday problems. And he convinced me. He said, they go through a, they, they join a military academy and they have a three-year course, just like you have your uh, degree course. And in that course, they study all the battles in history, all the wars, Battle of Somme, Operation Barbarossa, you know, Battle of Waterloo, all the famous battles they study and all the strategies used in the battle and uh, why one enemy lost and who won and what happened and they have, a th they have an exam, they have a three hour exam where they analyze which war was won because of what strategies and who failed and all of that and they say we know the whole thing very well and we also have practical fighting sessions, <laughs> we practice, you know, we have a lot of stimulated uh, environment where we have to do all that and then he said when we went to the Taj Hotel to fight the terrorists it's not that we stood there and said, no, now which solution or which case study should we apply here? How does our books of the military academy, how does it practically apply now? We didn't look for a case study from our textbooks. On that spot, based on that situation and context, trusting our intuition which was developed over those three years of studying those military wars, we devised a strategy in five minutes and they executed it and we could neutralize the terrorists. So in one sense, what they are doing practically fighting there has nothing to do with what they have studied in their textbooks. But it also has an effect because it has helped them develop and hone their skills, sharpen their intuition. Similarly, when we are reading Rama and it may appear it is Bharat and Lakshman is misunderstanding Ram, you know, what, what has it got to do with my, you know, my... Uh, Children's problems, my spouse, my family, my business, it has. Just connect with that. And then when you face the battles of your life, you'll be able to perceive reality. You'll be able to understand what to do. Many of us are stuck with this how to do it question. I see in every retreat I go, every yatra I go, every class, how do we do this? How do I do this? How? 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 I want solution for my problem. I'm a control freak. How do I do this? Importance. Everybody should chant Hare Krishna. How should I chant Hare Krishna? How? So, you know, I'm convinced that the how to do it questions, the answer to those questions is, this is what Niranjan Swami Maharaj once told me when I asked him, Maharaj, how do I become humble? He said, you become humble by becoming humble. And he looked at him and he said, this is a typical ISKCON how to do it questions. <laughs> he said, ISKCON devotees are suffering from how to do it questions. 
He said, how to do it? You do it by doing it. I said, I didn't understand. Then, then, then slowly, as he started explaining, it made sense to me. And I experienced it. I'm preaching in Mumbai in a congregation. And one day in the class, I spoke about chanting Hare Krishna. The three levels. What I spoke last night? Those kind of things. And the next week, one, one devotee raised his hand and said, Prabhu, last week class you spoke about chanting so much. Can you please tell us how to chant? So then I spoke about that one Mahamantra technique. You know, just like to listen to the holy name. And I made them do that exercise. And trust me, the subsequent week, somebody asked, Prabhu, you spoke about how to... Uh, listen to that technique, but the mind wanders a lot. So how do I, how do we follow that technique? So in that entire class, I spoke on that how we can follow the technique if you have a Satvaguna lifestyle. I spoke on Satvaguna and the three modes. And the following week, somebody asked me, probably how do we live in Satvaguna? Life is so fast. But then I said, you know, Satvaguna can be practiced by what we did yesterday. Like breathing, I, I did the breathing exercise, I made them journal, so that all that happened. So I thought now they're all satisfied. But the next week somebody asked me, Prabhu, when I sit down to breathe, you know, my mind wanders a lot. So I said, actually in Kali Yuga, then I spoke, I, I, I didn't know that what I'm saying, I just spontaneously said based on Bhagavatam, that your mind is wandering so much, the breathing exercise is not working because Bhagavatam says this about the mind in the first canto. So therefore, ultimate solution Bhagavatam says to chant Hare Krishna. So you should chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> and then the next week, somebody said, Prabhu, you spoke about Hare Krishna. How do you chant Hare Krishna? <laughs> and I said, how do we chant Hare Krishna? Then I realized, we are going in the circle. <laughs> the how to do it circle. <laughs> there is no end to it. That's why you need to trust your relationship with the Lord. You, you, need, to, you need to come closer to the Lord. So move from self. Move from your world. And connect to a reality beyond us. Let us connect to a reality beyond us. Hare Krishna. It's 9, 10.45. Yeah. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Shiva Prabhupada ki jai. Sita Ram Hanuman ki jai. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.